Hello, and welcome to Glory Be. Interesting people and how they pray. Each week, we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hanish. And I'm Father Vince Fernandez. And we're joined by our producer, Mike Malcolm. This week, our guest is Patty Schneier. She is a lifelong Catholic, housewife, and mother of three, author, speaker, and radio host from the Archdiocese of St. Louis. She and her husband, Larry, have three grown children and are active members of their parish, where Patty canters at Sunday Mass. For the past 17 years, Patty has been speaking at parishes and Catholic conferences across the United States. And she is going to be our mission speaker in just a couple of weeks here at the Church of St. Mary. We're so excited you're here. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here with you today through Skype, but cannot wait to be with you in person very soon. So that's really exciting. Yes, it's been so, this is just unusual times. How, how has your pandemic been? Well, we've been very blessed, extremely blessed. Um, uh, my husband did test positive for COVID uh, about a month ago, month and a half ago, Um but he had very, very mild, mild symptoms. And I was actually hoping to get it with him so that we could be quarantined together and be done with it. And I never got it. So I was in the same house with them. I mean, I kiss them every day, every night before we go to sleep, you know, and and we just lived our normal lives. But I, I never got it. And he had very, very mild, mild symptoms, just kind of a runny nose was it and uh, like a cold. So again, very blessed because we know that's not the case for everybody. Um, but that's been our experience, at least with it pers- on a personal level. Wow. Did you get tested and you just never? Yeah, oh, okay. I got tested and I was negative. He got tested. He was positive. Yeah. Um, so we both had to quarantine. I had to quarantine as well with him since I had been exposed, obviously. Um, and we, I literally, our, our, my mother-in-law lives just up the hill from us. And so she's with us very, very much. And my parents are only five minutes from us. They're all in their 80s and late 80s. Um, so we're caring for aging parents. So we've been, of course, very cautious. Um, but we still definitely take care of them and see them often. And, and so, you know, it's been like everybody else. You know, you do the best you can. You're creative as best as you can. And you go on living. So that's what yes. we do. Yes, that's that sounds like the best plan. Well, We are so excited that you're here, and um, part of the reason we are interviewing you is because you are going to be our mission speaker, and we want to know a little bit more about you. Can you talk about your personal vocation story? Did you grow up Catholic? You know, you mentioned when we spoke that you had been a teacher, a high school teacher, and that you're married, you have three kids. Just tell us a little bit about you, that you're a cantor, that music is part of your life. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I'm born and raised Catholic. And I married a good Catholic, you know, the the quote, the good Catholic. (laughs) And we were sending our children to Catholic schools. And um, so we've just always been extremely involved in uh, parish life. Oh, excuse me. That is my phone, which is embarrassing. (laughs) Don't worry about it. No, I apologize. (laughs) That's fine. But again, you're in my home right now. Again, this is just normal day in the life. My phone rings a lot. Um, But anyway, um, so we've been born and raised Catholic, sending our kids to Catholic school, and uh, we just always considered ourselves very involved in parish life. I've always loved the Mass, and ever since I was 15, um, you know, I've been a cantor in my parish, so I sang a lot of weddings and funerals and Sunday Mass, and just always loved the Mass, love the Mass, and um 
So we did not think that we were in need ever, this is going to sound crazy, but of conversion. Because, of course, we're every single Sunday sitting in the front second pew. And that was a, a sense of pride for us. It's just we're good Catholics. We're at church every Sunday and we're at mass. And um, we just didn't think that we needed conversion. Because for us, that was for those people who were not at church or who had never been raised in the faith. And we both came from very strong Catholic families. And, you know, so we just didn't think that we were in need of conversion. But um, to be honest with you, our whole life was turned upside down in 2002 um, when we did experience a conversion. And then again, that's part of just my testimony. And I'll be sharing a little bit more about that at the parish mission. Um, but it was really more of an awakening of all that we had been missing out in our Catholic faith and all that we had been ignoring in our Catholic faith and the need for some changes in our marriage and in our faith life. And it was a beautiful, beautiful conversion through the theology of the body um, and discovering the truths of the Catholic Church specifically in regards to uh, marriage and family life and sexuality. So, I mean, I'm very open about this. We were contracepting Catholics and thought it was no big deal um, and had been married for 13 years and had never once even questioned that after we um, had gotten married. Sadly, sadly. But in 2002, we were um, forced to look at it, to look at this and praise God, praise God um, that we were introduced to the theology of the body, to the writings of John Paul II, to the beautiful teachings of the church. And it spoke very, very deeply to our hearts. And that was a major, major shift. It was a fork in the road of, are we going to stay on this path or are we going to go over here? And we chose the church. We chose the teachings of the church, the beauty. We wanted that kind of a marriage. So, um, that was huge for us, 2002. We were both 36. Our children were nine, seven, and four years old. And that marks just the beginning of a whole new spiritual life for us, family life, our marriage, love of the church, love of the church's teachings. And that's actually what started um, my life in public ministry, was realizing Oh my gosh, you know, there's over 90% of modern married Catholics that were in the same boat that I was in. And also realizing how many of us born and raised Catholics, not just in the issue of sex and marriage and not just the theology of the body, but really rediscovering our entire Catholic faith, the sacraments, what they mean, the richness, the devotions, the so many things that had been right in front of our eyes, our whole life suddenly were brand new. So um, as far as in light of the parish mission, that's what I actually try to help everyday ordinary Catholics like ourselves, my husband and I, to rediscover and reignite their faith, to see the beauty of it and to live it to the full. And that's what I do just in everyday ordinary practical ways of trying to help people do that in their life. Because the joy that we've experienced has been unbelievable. We cannot even fathom ever going back um, and we wanted to share some of that joy and some of the richness of our Catholic faith with others. Well, that's, I love that story. And you know what's so beautiful about that is your willingness to be honest so that then others who are listening to you can sort of turn inward and be honest with their shortcomings or lives or sinfulness or 
I don't know. If you're willing to share, then they're gone. I mean, for me, even just listening to you, I was like, ooh, I need to think about my own life, you know. <laughs> well, to be honest, everything I do, um, I do share a lot of personal stories. I share stories of how I needed to learn this message or what God was trying to teach me in this. And again, it's all the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. I come from, you know, um, completely just middle class, ordinary family. And we live it now as just this. I'm just an ordinary. I tell people I'm an ordinary stay at home mom. I really am. I have been for 26 years. Um, but God has done extraordinary things in the everyday, ordinary stuff of life. So that's what I talk about always with to stories, examples, and then practical tips and suggestions. Because, again, I don't want anything to go over somebody's head theologically. I'm all about the nitty gritty. What? How can this make a difference in your life today or tomorrow morning, right? Or when you're dealing with a, a four-year-old who's throwing a temper tantrum or, or a teenager, whatever it is. Um, so I give those everyday, ordinary examples, um, and I do share a lot. Um, I always, of course, ask my children for permission to tell certain stories, and my husband has been very, very generous as well. But, um, yeah, I do um, do a lot of, of storytelling because I think that just gives the example and people can relate. I have more people come up to me than anything else and just say, oh, my gosh, that's me. Oh my gosh, that story that, that I, I experienced the same thing. So that's just what I do. That's awesome. And I, I would say, I mean, what you said about just that need for conversion, right? For, especially for like, for cradle Catholics is a very real thing. Yes. Um, from my perspective as, you know, in my, my long years of three years of being a priest, right. Of seeing <laughs> that. And, but even like when I was, I grew up Catholic and I went to all the Catholic schools here in Tulsa and I went to seminary and I was like, I think I'm good. Like I don't need, <laughs> Like, right. I don't need any, like, conversion. Like, I know who God is. And then eventually it's like, oh, wow, I really need to change exactly. my life. Exactly. Exactly. I always tell people, conversion is the messiest thing you'll ever go through, but it's the best thing that can ever happen to you. Right. Exactly. It is the best thing that can ever happen to you is when a light bulb goes on or all of a sudden scales. Again, it's like St. Paul, right? The scales are removed from your eyes and you see something in a whole new way, whether it's the Eucharist or the Blessed Mother or confession, right? We've got all of these things that are right before us. And we sometimes just don't really fully appreciate them or have seen them in a new light. And so we don't give them another thought. But sometimes if you can just rediscover some of these, the richness of our Catholic faith, which of course is inexhaustible and it takes a lifetime, a lifetime. That's why we're all still on this journey. Right. But the journey is so awesome. It's messy sometimes and it can be difficult but man, when you are, are just decide to keep walking it and keep looking, keep looking up towards heaven and keep your eyes on Jesus, it's amazing what he does in your life. It's just I, I can do, go on and on about stories. But again, to fast forward when you're talking about our life. So our three children now, um, you know, they've grown and, and my son became a priest. Right. Um, and I am absolutely convinced that we could have never embraced his vocation to the priesthood and truly been so excited had it not been for our conversion mm. and this falling in love with the church. Mm -hmm. You know, who, who wants to give their son to the church if you're not in love with the church? So um, I think it has a lot to do with vocations. I really do. Our own conversions and discovering the church and the beauty of our faith, then we're able to show the beauty to our children and they want it. 
and they want it for their lives. And so actually I do a lot of talks about passing the faith on to children. You know, I've written a book about that and, and about vocations and how we can foster holy vocations. It's a big part of my ministry now. Truly, it is. That's awesome. I mean, that's great. And I, I guess one question I had was, so you had this this conversion, right, in, in, in 2002, and then that led to you kind of being this um, stay-at-home mom who is an evangelizer, right, who goes and, and, and uh, preaches the gospel. Like, what led to, what kind of, like, made that step of, like, oh, now I need to go and proclaim the gospel to all these people? <laughs> well, that would take probably about five hours for me okay. to tell you it all. But, but in a nutshell, first of all, I truly believe bloom where you're planted, right? Bloom where you're planted. So your own sphere, whatever it is, we are all called to evangelize, right? Just within my own parish or with friends, with family. That's the first and foremost thing. But the crazy thing is, and it really is crazy. It was like this fire inside of me. I mean, this is, there's a book called The Fire Within by Thomas Dubay. I read The Fire Within and I, I about exploded inside. Because <laughs> um, I'm like, that's me. There's this fire inside and I cannot contain it. You know, my joy, my enthusiasm um, for our Catholic faith. And again, God will open a door. And I was told this actually by Christopher West. He's like, Patty, you don't have to do anything. God will open the door. Your job is to walk through it. Mm. So um, my life changed drastically by a phone call, a random phone call out of the blue, inviting me in 2003. Again, it's all connections. Someone heard this and heard this and heard this. You know how that is. And someone gave my name to this person in Vandalia, Illinois, which I thought was just a small little town in the middle of a cornfield, which they had a conference there in 2003. I will never forget this date, October 26, 2003. And they came, they asked me if I would come and just share my testimony. And I told them no at first. I said, <laughs> no, no way. I mean, the other speakers at this conference were Patrick Madrid and Carl Keating and oh, John yeah. at Benkovic and, you know, big names, EWTN and big speakers. And I kept telling them, I'm not a speaker. I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Do, do you realize I'm, I'm not a speaker? I can't do this, you know? And so I said no. And I hung up the phone. I hung up the phone and said no. <laughs> um, but my spiritual director called me back and said, uh, Patty, the Lord is asking you to do this. You need to do this. I will be there. I will be there, you know, for support, for spiritual direction. And she, she said to me, you, you need to say yes to this. And I was scared to death. Um, and I got up for the first time in my life in October, on October 26, 2003, in front of 700 people oh, wow. at this conference, shaking in my shoes and I, it was a blur. I don't even know, really. I mean, I know what I said. I do know what I said. I just told the story of what God did in my life. That's what I said. I go, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scholar. I've never written a book. I've never done a radio show. I listed everything that I had never done. <laughs> and then just said, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I'm just going to tell you the story of what God did in my life and the amazing way he did it. That's all I did. And then I just told the story. Um the beautiful thing is, is that I was absolutely clueless as to what was going to happen in my life. And I, and it was truly remarkable because after I gave that talk, I had 500 people coming up after saying to me, 
Will you come to Dubuque? Will you come to Indianapolis? Will you come here? Do you have a website? Do you have, and I'm thinking a website, again, this is 2003. I didn't even know how to send an email in 2003. <laughs> yes. And I remember saying, they're going, do you have a business card? And I said, business card? What would I write on a business card? Mom drives carpool. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't have a business card. I don't have a website. So that was how this all started. So from there, I went to Dubuque. And from Dubuque, I went to Indianapolis. And from Indianapolis, it was Louisville, Kentucky. And from there, it was word of mouth. And I just kept getting phone calls asking me, well, will you speak to teens? Will you speak to parents? Will you speak to priests? Will you give a talk on prayer? Will you give? And all of the time, I would say, let me go in front of the Blessed Sacrament. We have a perpetual adoration chapel. And I would go to chapel. And I, with a 10-cent spiral notebook, I'm not kidding you, everything is 10-cent spiral notebooks for me. I would sit there in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I'd say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I would just start writing. And every talk, again, I have now over a dozen or 14 different talks, and they were all written in front of the Blessed Sacrament in chapel where I would just say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Mm. That's how this started. So I've been doing this now for 17 years all across the United States. And one thing just led to the next. You know, writing a book, doing a radio show. I remember my first time I ever was even asked to be on a radio show. I kept saying, no, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. You know, and little did I know five years later, I'd be hosting a radio show. You know, crazy, crazy. I couldn't dream this if my life depended on it. I never in my, I didn't think I would ever be a speaker. I didn't think it's, again, one yes. Mm -hmm. The ripple effect of one yes. And then saying yes again. And then saying yes to, I'll try this, okay, God, if you want me to. But I don't do anything. I don't try to make anything happen. I don't advertise. I don't, nothing. I do nothing. I just get now phone calls or an email. Um, and yes, now I do have a website. But I mean, <laughs> literally, my husband, my husband designed my the business card that I still have is still the one my husband designed and my very first website again my husband did for me he's been my Saint Joseph this whole time mm. uh, you know that was just a super cool story and one of the things as we tr transition it's interesting people and how they pray as we transition to the how they pray I noticed that you mentioned um, in the midst of all of this you would go into prayer and with the Blessed Sacrament so if you yeah. can talk a little bit, you know, tell our guests about your prayer life. I know when we talked that you mentioned that you go to daily mass and the chaplet of mercy. And yeah. of course you mentioned um, just now how important prayer was in all of this. You're also a cantor. So how is music and prayer? Just yeah. tell us about that's, how you pray. He, he who sings prays twice. So that's, a, that's the first yes. thing. Um, yeah. I have a song in my heart for the Lord just all the time. Um, that's just, that's just how he made me. So singing through song is, is just natural for me, like breathing, to be honest. Um, but, uh, and this is going to be the first night of the mission, to be honest with you. So I don't want to give it away, right. but the whole first night of the mission is called God. I really don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say this at the mission, the title of that talk came from my own prayer journals because I told God I don't have time for this 
prayer. Every time he would be asking me to go deeper in prayer, you know, I would say, God, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And I think that's, um, it had been my mantra, sadly. I'm just, again, being very honest with you. Very, I'm a very, very busy person, super involved in so many things, always on every committee and chairing this and running this and organizing this up at the parish or whatever. So it's very easy for um, life to just sweep me away. Um, but this very active, and I'm a talkative person, as you can probably already tell, um, the silence of slowing down and being in the presence of God every single day in front of the Blessed Sacrament has been life-changing. I crave silence. I crave, as I call it, being in my chapel, <laughs> which is crazy, of course. It's not my chapel, but I feel like it is, right? When I'm in our Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, it's just the Lord and me. It's just God and me in there. That silence is so beautiful and so powerful and anything but boring, anything but boring. There's so much going on sometimes in the silence. I can hardly contain what's going on in my heart and in my soul. Um, so yes, I am one that absolutely craves that and time just to be face to face with my Lord and my savior, my creator, the redeemer of the world. Um, it doesn't get any better than that for me to have that just um, what I call carefree timelessness with God. Um, and I, I, I do love prayer. I love prayer. I will be sharing some very practical tips and suggestions for prayer with all of our, the parishioners in the parish mission and how to help them have the prayer life that they really want, that they desire, but don't think that they maybe can, or they've tried before and quit, or they find something dry or boring, whatever it is. Um, I rely very, very heavily on everything that the church has already given us. There is no need to reinvent the wheel ever. We have 2000 years of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, church devotions and richness and, and the church has already given us everything we need. So um, that's again what I'm going to tap into um, and, and try to help people have the prayer life that they desire. So um, Eucharistic adoration is just one, one tiny aspect of my life it's a huge part. I shouldn't say tiny. It's a huge part, but um, it just kept growing. One thing kept leading to another. Um, and i that's what I'll talk about at the parish mission. Great. Well, Mike will put a link in the show notes, too, for anybody. We will be streaming, just for anybody who's listening right now, we'll be streaming the mission, and there's an opportunity to sign up and reserve a seat, and that we'll be advertising all of that. But well, I would highly recommend if you're able to come in person, because there really is something about being live and in person. Um, just again, there's that feed and that feeling of between um, the people together. And I, I feel that as well. So I would really highly recommend people coming. But of course, if you can't, if you're unable, then I look forward to uh, at least being with people virtually as well. And that's just the first night of the mission, to be honest with you, um, the prayer, the talk on prayer is the first night of the mission. And then there's another, um, the second night is unlock the treasure about unlocking the treasures of our Catholic faith. And, um, the third night of the mission is one step away. Um, and that one we're going to, again, for Lent in preparation for Lent, um, kind of enter into the passion a little bit and, um, and talk about suffering and real life things that, that happen and what to do with it. Okay. Well, I can't wait. Mm -hmm. Um, 
One question that we ask everyone, because prayer is wonderful, but often, like you've even already alluded to, difficult. Has there Mm -hmm. been a time in your life that prayer has been difficult? Um, Well, I'm going to answer that with two little snippets. The first one is a general. um, I would say the hardest time in my life to pray, again, from a very practical perspective, was when I was a young mother and had three children under the age of four, boom, boom, boom. Um, And to try to have a prayer life for myself, uh, really, you know, to find five minutes for myself was very practically speaking, almost impossible. Right. So that was the most difficult time in my life when you when I'm when I'm the mother of very, very young children and they require every ounce of my energy and I gave everything to them. And then there was my husband and my home and God really did get my leftover crumbs. Mm. So um, that was the hardest time to pray, to just practically be able to commit to prayer. So I would say that that would be the hardest time Um, on a spiritual level when it was hard spiritually to pray um, was I will mention this. This will be the third night of the mission. um, One step away um, when I went through a time of um, of suffering when I was um, in the intensive care unit in a hospital and I was so weak, I couldn't pray. Um, And. Yet I knew I needed prayer so desperately, right? Um, I was in the intensive care and I was in there for a week and I needed prayer and I knew I needed prayer. But my sister shared this with me. This was so beautiful. When sometimes life throws such a curveball at you that you're in, you're either numb or you're shock or you're physically even unable to, you're so weak, right? You, you can't. Um, my sister said to me, and I've kept this with me ever since, she said, you know what, Patty? Sometimes you don't, you don't have to be strong all the time. You don't have to be the one all the time, you know, because my whole life right now is praying and praying for others. And she's like, You've, you don't have to be the one right now. You're part of the body of Christ. You need to just rest. And you need to let the body of Christ step in and pray for you. And so I remember handing her my phone and I said, you're right. Call everybody, text everybody in my phone and tell them I need prayers. And I'm too weak that I can't even pray right now. Mm. And that's what she did. And within 24 hours, I had an order of nuns in Italy praying for me. I had <laughs> seminarians, the entire seminary in the Archdiocese of St. Louis praying for me. You know, I had, it was unbelievable. And I, I got to just receive. Mm-hmm. And I needed that at that time in my life. Mm. So even when we're too weak to pray, the church gives us everything we need in the body of Christ and they can come and wrap their arms around us and pray for us. So that's what I would say to when it was hard to pray. Right. That's beautiful. Sometimes let others do it for you. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really beautiful kind of witness in terms of, yeah, being, you know, even when we're too weak to pray, the church is, is there for us, right? And, and the body of Christ, it's, it's really awesome. Patty, you've been an awesome guest, and it's great to have you. And really excited to see you here in just a couple of weeks. Um, one last question we ask all our guests is um, if you had one prayer intention to tell the whole world to pray for, uh, what would it be and why? And you know what? You you prepped me with this. That the only thing I knew about this interview was that you were going to ask me that question. And you don't, you know, that has like haunted me for the last three days. <laughs> what am I going to say about that one question? Because I'm praying all day long for so many things. I'm like, how do I narrow it down to one? So, okay, you're going to have to bear with me. I may give you two. But the one, the one thing, the one thing I would say, of course, is for the conversion of souls. Conversion. The conversion of souls that all would come to know and love Jesus Christ and come to know him and the fullness of our faith, right? To just know him. So that would be the first thing, conversion, the conversion of the world, the conversion of every single soul. And we all know even in our own families, we have family members that are so in need of conversion. So that's the first thing I would say. That's probably really my answer is for the conversion of souls. Um, but I have to answer one, give one more thing, another, like, again, a practical thing, almost like an earthly prayer intention, um, it's for holy priests and holy marriages. I truly believe if we have holy marriages, from holy marriages come holy families and holy children, and from those holy families will come holy priests. And without the priesthood, we don't have the Eucharist. So that is such an intention on my heart every day of praying for an increase of holy priests and holy marriages. And they're so connected together. Um, that that's my prayer intention as well. And I just think that the world, our earthly world, would be such a better place. Think of all the things that happen, all of the things that happen when someone doesn't live out their vocation of marriage in a holy way. And again, the same things with the priesthood. So we need holy marriages and holy priests. And I do think that that would help change the world. So those are sorry, my two prayer intentions. (laughs) Two prayer intentions. That's good. Double the prayers. Well, we're so happy you joined us today, and um, we we are so excited. Like Father Vince said, we look forward to meeting you and having you here at St. Mary's. We're going to close with the glory be, as we always do, and we'd love if you would lead us in prayer. I would be honored to do so. So may we all just bow our heads and place ourselves in the presence of our wonderful God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory Be is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of St. Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next week.